welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. Together, we will be bringing you a weekly whiskey podcast where we'll be discovering drams, exploring distilleries, talking to industry experts and sharing other whiskey adventures. Not only will we be sticking our noses into our drams, but also into all things new and current in the whiskey universe, with a leading commentary, of course. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. This week we're talking about all things single grain scotch, a rather delicious category, if you ask me. Um, We will be talking to Keith from the independent bottler, the whiskey seller. Yeah, but before we chat to Keith, let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. So Jen, are you familiar with the 1770 Scotch whiskey range by the Glasgow Distillery? Well, in the sense that I recognise it because they were um, sponsors of the recent whiskey festival in Glasgow and they were like on the little Glencairn glasses and things but if I'm honest I don't know too much um too much about them and I haven't tried their whiskey just yet ah, okay something for us to try then yeah <laughs> the future so they've recently changed their core range bottles from the 50 centiliters to 70 centiliters which <sighs> you know the 50 centiliter I always found it quite disappointing because you expect in the full full size so this is great <laughs> news <laughs> yeah you know but more for my money <laughs> That's it. A nice, generous, like a nice, generous house poured measure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's why this is great news because um, the whiskey is actually very good, especially the triple distilled, which is my favorite from the core range. Mm. And yeah, my bottle definitely finished way too fast. So, <laughs> um, but the new packaging features an environmentally friendly bottle design that uses proportionally less glass than the original 50 centiliter bottle, which is quite interesting. Yeah. The new bottle closures include recycled materials and a fully recy- recyclable gift carton as well. And that's not all. It gets even better. Mm-hmm. Even the increased pro- uh, production and an expanding global reach, you would expect that, you know, now they increase in the bottle size, mm-hmm. that maybe the price would go up as well. But it doesn't. They are keeping it at the around, you know, £49. Yeah, that's good. You would have just assumed it would have gone up, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. So you basically pay the same as before, but you, you do get much more. Um, this is at least is for the three signature range expressions. Um, but I don't know how, what they're going to do with all the, maybe the limited editions might be the smaller sizes or, you know, okay. maybe the price will change on those. But at least in the core range, it will stay the same. Exactly. Well played. More bang for your buck and doing your bit for the environment. I like it. So there was also some news about Prime Minister Boris, UK Prime Minister for our international listeners, doing some trade talks in India with the aim to eliminate whiskey tariffs to help double scotch whiskey exports to the country. So yeah, they're pretty big whiskey drinkers in India actually, although most of the whiskey produced um, or the whiskey drunk is produced locally and scotch whiskey is fairly small part of the overall amount. Yeah, and so currently there are 150% tariffs on imported liquor, which obviously completely holds back that growth of scotch sales there. The Scotch Whiskey Association said it hopes the two countries could reach an interim early harvest agreement ahead of the full trade. And the chair of Shivas Brothers also hopes to at least double the size of the market. So we'll see. I've noticed some Indian-based whiskey influencers have, you know, a gazillion or so followers on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there, there are actually quite a few Indian whiskies 
now in the UK and Europe market as well. Well, we'll maybe need to add one in to our season two expansion to Scotch and international whiskies. Oh, Whiskey sisters, tones in the microphone. Do you know what, Inca? Do you think one day we'll collate all the Whiskey Sisters whiskey facts into a book? <gasps> oh, I like that one. That's so a good idea. So people can sit and have a sip of the dram of their choice, whatever their dram on fire is, and have a flick through the book. Just came yeah. to me there. You know, like <clears throat> people have table books, like coffee table books, like big yeah. ones and something interesting, you know, when you have guests over and they just, you know, sit there and you're chatting or they're waiting on you because you're cooking in the kitchen. Then they just scan through these books and that could be a good coffee table book, couldn't it? Watch this space, listeners. Whiskey Sisters! So, single grain Scotch whiskey, it is distilled at single distillery from other grains such as wheat or corn, with or without malted barley. So, the single here is referring to the distillery and not the number of grains used. Mm-hmm. And the spirit usually goes through a continuous distillation process, also known as patent still distillation. Um, also, Arbiki Highland Rye. Um, single grain scotch whiskey for example is distilled using a copper pot stills ah okay Mm. traditionally this category was not something that you would see bottled or sold as it's mainly used for blends Um, however there are a growing number of new releases by independent bottlers such as the whiskey seller that we will be talking about soon Okay, and generally speaking, single grain Scotch whiskies are mild and sweet, so perhaps a great introduction to the whisky category as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Keith Bonington. So welcome to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast, Keith. It is great to have someone with your level of whiskey knowledge and expertise in the programme. And we would love if you could just start by telling our listeners a little bit about your background in the whiskey industry and how you got started with the Whiskey Sailor. Of course. Thank you, Jennifer. And thank you, Inca. Thanks for having me on. So my, my name is Keith Bonington. I'm the, the founder of the Whiskey Cellar, which um, I founded back in 2017. So yeah, I've been running a good five years now, but I've been in the industry for about 20 years now. So working for bigger companies in the in the corporate world, 11 of those years were spent at Edrington. So the, the kind of lateral uh, years working for a company was, was with Edrington, working on brands like the McAllen, Highland Park, Glenrothes, mm-hmm. Famous Grouse. And um, essentially, I came to a crossroads in my career. The role that I was doing was relocating. Mm-hmm. I'd been thinking about doing my own thing for a while. I love the industry. Um, and I took the opportunity to to step out of, you know, that kind of corporate world and into do my own thing. But I was the the sole decision maker, sourcing casks to, to do my own independent bottling. So that uh, sounds so brave. Mm-hmm. Like, was it scary? It was a little bit, yeah. I mean, the, the company were, were, were very, very good to me, Edrington, because it was a, a relocation. You know, I got I got a nice, um, you know, little settlement out of it. And, um, you know, we walked away. In actual fact, you know, they they did supply me with, with the casks that got me up and running, you know. So I started off with, with four fantastic casks of whiskey that I was able to, to bottle and uh, turn into a bit of profit, which I reinvested into, into more casks. So, you know, the company were very, very good. And... To be honest, you know, since since I started, um, yeah, there was a bit of trepidation in the beginning. You know, there's there's always that nervousness about, you know, what if what if I can't buy casks? You know, there's no, mm-hmm. you know, there's really no business there yeah. uh, to be had. So, um, 
yeah, some of the bigger companies have been have been really good, you know, and without them, you know, I certainly wouldn't exist. You know, a lot of the independent bottlers wouldn't exist without the support of the of the big whiskey companies that, you know, they may have. There'll be times of you know periods where they have surplus stock that um as an independent bottler, you know, I'm free to to bottle that, re-rack it, finish it, you know, and, and the casks I've built up quite an inventory over these years. Um and I'm releasing about four uh, four series under the whiskey seller private seller selection every every year so about one a quarter and typically to be about somewhere between six and ten casks in each series so it's a, a significant amount of liquid mm-hmm. yeah you, yeah you, you add it all up which i i did the other day actually i was looking at what what i've done today and and what i have in the pipeline for the next uh next few years and it's yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm pleased with where, where i'm at and yeah I'm, I'm pleased that i made that uh you know, took that leap of faith back in 2017. Mm. The the whiskey seller releases actually they've been very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, the feedback yeah. what I've seen online seems very positive, mm. and there's been some very unique bottlings. So I don't know if you wanted to just tell quickly to our reader uh, listeners. Um, <laughs> What? We've not got we... a book out yet, Anka. Yeah. One day. We were just talking about the book. Just what the whiskey seller is all about, like what what kind of releases yeah. you're bringing out, and so on. You know, we're we're not really looking for you know big distillery names. I mean, that's one of the great things about being an independent bottler. You know, I'm I'm not constrained by you know finding those big distilleries. And in actual fact, you know, some of the bigger distilleries, their their casks are comp- impossible to get, if not very very difficult to get in, in some cases. I mean, I I, I, really, I like the interesting distilleries that are, you know, much of the output from some of these distilleries. And you think, you know, you drive up through through Speyside and you see, you know, down in the little valleys, the little pagoda roofs, and you're thinking, God, there's another distillery, uh, yeah. you know, sitting down there. I mean, what are we at now? 120, 130 yeah. distilleries in Scotland. It's, it's incredible. But some mm-hmm. of these, most of these distilleries, in fact, don't get an awful lot of airtime. You know, they, they're, they're producing primarily for blends. Mm, um, yeah. But actually, there's some absolute gems in, in amongst them, and you know, I've, I've I've had you know great joy and some great success bottling stuff that um, maybe isn't quite as fashionable as you might have once thought. But you know, if you find a good cask and you or you you finish it in a particular way, um, and again, being an independent bottler, you've got the flexibility to do that. You know, the results have been often fantastic. Mm. I think back to the. Uh, the first release, one of the casks that I could have sold about ten times over was the uh, seven-year-old Royal Brackler, uh, yeah. which spent fourteen months in uh, um, Oloroso quarter cask, fresh, fresh uh, first fill, mm-hmm. and it came out. You know, I, I drew the sample, and it came out like Coca-Cola. You know, the colour was so dark. And I, <laughs> at first, I thought, God, that's not good. You know, that that's probably the darkest whiskey I've ever seen, and I'm not sure whether the the you know the sherry has maybe become too or the yeah. oak has become too dominant. But it was just it just hit the right mark, and I think the color really sold it, you know, because consumers yeah. still buy. Yeah, everyone was very curious. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the liquid itself was was excellent. You know, I just struck that did that balance of just about probably another year or so. It, it might have been a bit overdone, but it was um, it, it was great. I wish I I kept a bottle back for the archives. I try and keep a bottle back. Oh, of, that's nice. Of everything, but yeah, I could have I could have sold that that you know that cast <laughs> ten times over. And Keith, your single grain releases, you know, can have very high age statements. I believe uh, Cameron and Bridge from the Series 1 was a whopping 36 years old. Do you think the best single grains are the older ones or can you have young single grains that are, you know, that are decent that that you would um, recommend? Well, you can have young single grains that are very decent, but I think some because of the 
Grain's really come of age at a, a much older age, primarily, I think, because a lot of them are filled into into refill wood, you know, re-refill mm-hmm. wood, you know, and for, you know, for volume to bulk up mm-hmm. um, blended whiskey. So, you know, when the distillers um, filled the casks, they weren't necessarily looking for, you know, quality in these liquids. So, but then they probably weren't expecting to lay them down for 36 years or more. You know, I I think if you if you, you know great green whiskey, we'll probably talk talk a bit more about this. You know, over the next uh, twenty twenty five minutes or so, but um, it's been a real eye opener for me. I mean, I I you know when I was at Edrington, one of the projects I, I worked on that was probably just a little bit ahead of its time was Snow Grouse, and I don't know if you remember that. It was probably about two thousand and thirteen fourteen. It was a an attempt at a green whiskey in a frosted bottle designed to be served from the freezer. Um, mm-hmm. It had the you know the bird on it, the snow, the snow version yeah. of it, the white bird. It was very yeah. elementary, and and actually, as part of that process, we sampled in Great Western Road sample room. It was the first my first real experience of of green whiskey. We sampled some uh, North British, and it just incredible. You know, I I just thought, you know, this is the stuff that goes into you know, add this to malt whiskey to bulk up as a blend in the in the supermarkets. But some of these whiskies were, you know, eight years old. 10 years old, some of them were first fill, um, almost exclusively ex-bourbon, so American oak. And some of these were, they were like bourbon whiskies on steroids, you know, really good quality <laughs> whiskey. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoyed them. And I thought to myself, you know, when I when I decided to set up on, as, on my own as an independent bottler, you know, I want to get access to to good quality grain whiskey. And, you know, don't get me wrong, because of the the um the variance in the quality of the wood that these grains grains have been mm-hmm. filled in so you, you know they're not all going to be great whiskey by any means but uh, as you mentioned the Cameron Bridge um you know the uh, Invergordon which mm-hmm. uh, was in was in series 1 so particularly well I had a lovely kind of buttercream almost kinder bueno I may have yeah. some in my glass yeah. as <laughs> have, is that what you have there that's yes. I mean, that, that's a delicious uh, so, sweet easy drinking dram that actually take me to the question my next question was going to be because you you have featured few single grains already so what is it exactly that you are looking for in the well, like what for you is a good single grain well I I like um don't be too mis- misled by color I mean I have a grain in my glass here but this is actually north british this is a um, a 1989, which I'll talk about shortly, but you know, for all that time, it's it's pretty pale in color. You know, so straight away you're thinking it's it's got to be refill bourbon, and it is. But I think with green whiskey, I mean, I'm looking for those lovely kind of creamy, um, buttery characteristics, and sometimes mm-hmm. you get that kind of salted butter mm-hmm. on these some coconut notes. You know, really bringing through that American oak influence because typically in my in my series of releases, there'll be something heavily sherried in there, so something from a first fill sherry cask. Okay. At one end of the spectrum, normally a single malt, almost exclusively a single malt, and then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got this very old, very mm-hmm. um, lovely, sort of delicate, light, creamy, sweet uh, green whiskey. So I'm really trying to, I'm trying to sort of have both ends of the spectrum covered and everything in between. So I mm. always say that when I do a series of whiskey, a, a release, there's something for every palate. Yeah. So yeah, that's really what I'm looking for in the, in the grains is those lovely kind of American oak influences, um, and really good good age, um, you know, good good aging in the cask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess with single grain you can have those higher age statements with also you know affordable prices. Well, that's that's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the cost of grain whiskey by its very nature and the way it's produced is. Um, you know, is considerably more advantageous for for a bottler than 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 malt prices, which have just yeah. continued to to rocket as demand has 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 gone up. So, 
you know, there's some great value to be had in grain. And you know, what I'm trying to kind of do by int introducing it into each series is to really champion that category because as mm -hmm. an industry, if we get people onto grain whiskey, and I've I've turned you know a lot of my friends, um, and and when I do taste things, you turn a lot of people on who are probably skeptics to begin with. You turn them on to grain whiskey just by letting them try it. You know, a lot of people they'll, they'll dismiss it before it's even past their lips. But you think if you if you sit down and hear me out and give this a shot, I think yeah. I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's funny though, because I think a lot of people are looking down on single crane, and even if it seems like it's picked up recently. You don't really hear anyone talking about, you know, how they opened a bottle of single grain scotch and they've been drinking at home and stuff. You don't really, people don't talk about it. Yeah, and, and really in single grain, there are no real brands as such. You know, I mean, if you look at malt whiskey, there there are, I mean, there are, there are distilleries, but, you know, there are brands within the, the distillery name, you know, things like, you know, McAllen, Balvenie, Glenfiddich, Glenmorangie, Ardbeg, <laughs> you know, Lafroy. I mean, these are distillery names, yes, but they are, but they are big brands. In grain whiskey, you don't hear someone walking into a bar and asking for a North British or or an Invergordon or a, or a, a Gervin. Well, Gervin maybe a little bit more so. They've, mm -hmm. they've, they've invested a bit more behind the brand. But if we can start to get these distilleries or these names um, more re more recognised and, and you know make consumers more aware of them, then I think it's got to be good for the for the industry as a whole. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, Keith, what was in your glass. Can you tell us a wee bit more about uh, the whiskey that you're sipping on this evening? Of course, evening? yeah. Yeah, well, I've been, I've actually been, it's, it's a tough job, this, but I've been sampling whiskey this afternoon for my <laughs> Series 5, which is due to be released in June. Nice. So I'm, I'm there now, I think. And the one that I have in my glass here will be part of that release, which is uh, North British, which is uh, an Edinburgh uh, distillery. Uh, it's 1989. It's uh, refill barrel number 72406. It's coming in at about 51% ABV. Ah. So probably bottle it at that strength. Um, and it's just, it's lovely. You know, it's just, um, you know, I mentioned some of those notes that I'm looking for. There's a little bit of, it's a real kind of freshness in the glass here, you know, despite that, you know, those, those many, many years in oak, there's a real kind of almost like a, a lemony, you know, sort of fresh uh, zested lemon freshness on the nose lovely uh, you know, this is the one that i've selected i've got i've got four samples in front of me here there's there's a gervin 96 um there's another north british 91 and a 1993 north british but i think this is the one i've landed on for for uh, this next next release mm. um it's it's, it's just delicious I, th I think it's you know again just a, a typical example of the, you know that i mentioned that sort of bourbon on steroids i think if you serve this to anyone in the states and told them it was a bourbon they would think it was yeah. you know, a real you know top quality bourbon so in my class i have the canvas 33 year old from the latest release yes series four um I, i've never even heard of this distillery before well it no longer exists as a distillery so yeah it's, it's, it was a, a lowland distillery and it was a real i mean it, it produced an, a heck of a lot of green whiskey you know for the industry generally but it was a diageo site um just in a little place called Cambus near Alloa and uh, I think falls under Clackmannanshire, quite close to Stirling. Um, and this is from 1988. So there's there's not a lot of uh, stock left yeah. of, you know, of, of that, that whiskey. I think, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the site there now is, is really where only warehouses. The distillery has been completely dismantled. So, um, you know, I was looking out for some Cambus and um, I found these two hogsheads. Actually, the hogsheads were, they were very, very similar. I've added them together. Um, and let them sit for about three months, just kind of marrying 
and then bottled it as a as a single grain. But it's it's, it's two two hogsheads together to give me just over five hundred bottles. Yeah. In, in total, I think it's five hundred bottles. Yeah, there there are thereabouts. So, but I, I, you know, canvas is is considered by those that have already embraced grain whiskey as kind of mm-hmm. the quintessential. You know, almost like the premier crew of 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 the of the single grain. Nice. Uh, it's uh, it's it's delicious. There's actually of my series that that was in the the last series, series four, which um, which left the warehouse in in March. Um, that's the only one that I have a little bit of stock left of. And again, it's because it's a single grain. But I would urge anyone that um, you know, if you haven't tried single grain, it's a great place to start. Yeah, yeah, this one is really nice. Um, it's not for it's not for everyone's budget. I mean, it's you know, it's 120 quid a bottle, I think. But yeah. it, because of its age, you know. Um, that that really is the going rate for for a whiskey of that of and, that good and rarity. It sounds like yeah, absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know if I'll get another canvas beyond this, you know, because the the stocks are are, are very very limited now. Yeah, uh, as is always the case with a closed distillery. Yeah, that always the nose in these grain whiskies is just so <laughs> delicious. You yeah. can just keep nosing it all day. <laughs> but then I find it quite surprising a lot of the times on the palate. You don't always have that same kind of sweetness that you expect and some of them might be a little bit drier than you think it's yeah. quite interesting well the, the canvas was interesting we, we did the um the the whiskey wire the, the tweet tasting a few weeks ago and, and i included the canvas in in that tasting and it, and it scored very very well you know amongst mm. the 25 uh, samples that came on to to the tasting and i had everything from buttercream to um what was it it was uh, and the guy actually said he meant it in the in a positive way. I think it was furniture polish. <laughs> That's the, yeah, Brilliant. Needless to say, that didn't go in the official tasting. Book. But he, said, <laughs> he said he meant it in a good way. You know, it, it, was, sure. a, it was a, it was kind of bringing back a positive kind of experience. Yeah, in it, those yeah. memories. Um, and it, it went down a storm. It really did. So, when do you get these single cranes? Do you actually know which kind of cranes been in the, in the distillate? I try. I try to. I always ask the question, and you know, very often I get an answer that may or may not be true. You know, I think sometimes it's just we don't know, or sometimes it's well, at that time it would have been wheat, or it would have been, you know, it would have been corn, or or, or whatever, it, you know, or or, or rye, or, or whatever it might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult to to say for sure. I mean, I, I don't. You get you get asked that occasionally when you're when you're doing tastings or you're at events. You know, people that that really want to know. Quite honestly, if I don't know the the hundred percent the answer, I tell I tell people I don't know for for sure. But a lot of them are using a lot of these single grain distilleries are using wheat, you know, typically, and you know that yeah. is mm-hmm. normally a safe bet. Yeah, yeah, it's quite soft because even I'm thinking like vodkas that are made from wheat, they always quite nice and buttery right. and butterscotch kind of really nice sweet notes. So yeah, yeah, D- difficult to know for sure. But yeah, I always I'm always honest about that. Mm-hmm. And Keith, you mentioned earlier um, a whiskey that was maybe to be served from the freezer or that was the suggestion. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, ways that you would recommend serving um, green whiskey? Well, I, I love green whiskey on lots of rocks, you mm-hmm. know, so big cubes of ice yep. in a glass. And, and again, like any, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I quite often drink malt like that as well, you know, and I, I know... yeah. Oh, they say you shouldn't do that. But you know, if I'm drinking at home, I mean, I actually drink quite a lot of blends at home. You, you're probably aware of um, a, a product that I I brought out recently. It's actually an old brand that I acquired 
a couple of years ago called Brigger Perth, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of bringing back the glory of grain. You know, the, the days when grain whiskies mm-hmm. were high malt content and um, you know higher uh, strength alcohol, non chill filtered. And actually, I'm really enjoying drinking that with with lots of ice mm. at the moment. And if I'm doing doing a tasting, it's normally you know in a you know capita glass or a, a you know um, a Glen Cairn glass. Mm. Just a little drop of water after you've kind of nosed it and taken a little bit on the tongue. Yeah, yeah. If you're serving it at home, just I mean, I I think for for green whiskey in particular, it swims well, as they say. You know, so whether that whether that's with um, with a bit of water or with or with lots of ice, mm. it works really well. Um, from the freezers, actually interesting. I I again, I think I mentioned Snow Grouse, which was a, an Edrington project under the the famous Grouse brand, and it it just I think I just think it was a bit ahead of its time. I think maybe we. We should have stuck it out a little bit longer. I think the, the product got it got canned after a couple of years, but there was enough there. I, I don't think the green whiskey that was selected for it was the best as right. good as it could have been. Mm. Um, mm. I think the feeling was if you're going to put it in the freezer, it numbs the it numbs the um, the taste buds anyway. But you know, I, I would have gone for a, a higher quality grain, um, and the freezer serve I thought worked really well because you end up getting this lovely, almost syrupy. It's a lovely kind of syrupy viscosity with tiny, tiny little shards of ice through it. Mm. It's really, really nice to drink. Oh, I need to try that then. Yeah, you'll be lucky to find it now. I think it's um, it's long gone. But but try, yeah, we've got. Yeah, but for yeah, you mentioned the brick of it, so we're actually doing a little Instagram live with that one. Mm. So All we right, will wow. try some. We'll try it with ice as well and see how that goes down. Yeah, Fantastic. definitely. Yeah, I mean, try try it without ice first. Um, yeah, of course. Because it is, it's a really well made green whiskey. Uh, sorry, blended whiskey with with more than fifty percent malt. You know, so that's a, that's a high uh, proportion of malt whiskey to to grain. So it's yeah, I'll be interested to see what you see what you think about that. Now, Keith, um, I have heard from Inca that you are a keeper of the quake. Yes. We spoke to a previous guest a little bit about their experience of being awarded this real accolade within the whiskey industry and he was he was letting us know that it's given to people throughout the industry working in in various kind of um you know whether it's an ambassadorial role or or, or different areas of the industry could you share a little bit about your experience of um of getting this real accolade absolutely yeah i mean i i mean first thing i got it back in, in 2013 which you know seems like a, an age ago um mm. but it, you know without doubt the biggest honor i've had in the you know in my time in the industry you know yeah. i think it's it's something that i've started to well i mean fairly recently pro- probably you know four years ago um i didn't i probably didn't appreciate fully the you know how, how people out with the industry or that how they look upon it you know i i was advised to start using it in my you know my email signatures and my stationery and, and business cards and things like that and i'd never really thought about that for, for I, I like don't a know badass why. golden ticket <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and it's you know it's one of those things if you know if i'm sending an email out to a prospect or a new you know distributor to introduce myself and you have that keeper of the quake mm. um uh, approval almost you know that stamp at the bottom of your email alongside the whiskey seller logo then I think it says a lot about you know you as a, you as a, as an individual and certainly to what you've contributed in the industry. I mean my my specific uh, reasoning behind it, I was I was put forward by Edrington for um, my role in setting up the 
the office in uh, South Africa, and that was the kind of ah. the office that then led to you know the Edrington Africa and Middle East being being created. You know, so I was I was behind that, but you know th there were many other people involved in that project that um, mm -hmm. you know to me were every bit as deserving of it as, as I was of that certificate that proudly sits up on the wall. But you know, it, I think it was just you know it was recognised that this, in the same year I was I was awarded the the Chairman's Award, Edrington, an, an internal award again for kind of you know for services to the business and services to the industry so i think you know again that probably encouraged me a little bit to to go out on my own you know i think having mm -hmm. that yeah. you know in your toolbox really does add some weight to, to to your offering yeah exactly people know that you know you you do know what you're putting in those bottles so yeah yeah that's absolutely. great absolutely no congratulations for that keith and well, if you're at you. any if you're at any events and there's a suggestion box for new <laughs> whiskey podcasts Thing. Oh, I'll be sure to. Yeah, be sure, be sure to. to <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Oh, brilliant. So we normally like to finish these interviews with the little dream dram question. Mm -hmm. So, who would you like to share dram? Who would be your dream dram companion, dead or alive? Um, and what would you like to share with them? Um, well, these things are always tricky. You start casting your mind to kind of heroes of film and you know Green yeah. like or Jimmy Stewart who I'm a big fan of you know some of the old old nice. movies or you know heroes of sport you know get Diego Maradona was the you know he got me into uh into football back in 1986 mm -hmm. when he uh almost single-handedly won the world cup but I'm not sure I'm not sure what a dram with Diego Maradona would end up looking like I <laughs> could be quite the night <laughs> yeah. be more than one dram somehow <laughs> um but you know to be honest my a lot of my heroes are, are much closer than and I think, and I think the my dream dram companion would be my my, my late granddad, maternal granddad, who who passed away about five years ago. And you know, I was I was kind of fortunate enough. His name was Adam Adam Wallace, Adam Borthwick Wallace, and you know, he he had a very very sharp mind. You know, right up to his dying day. And in his care home down in North Berwick, he had on the wall, you know, pictures of the of the war, mm. of the Second World War. He had pictures of, um, and I'd never seen them before until he put them up in his care home. It, you know the armored vehicle that he that he drove of you know the regiment that he was in mm -hmm. and you know someone well yeah. into the 90s mm -hmm. who remembers vividly you know the stories Absolutely. and retells the stories like yeah. it happened happened yesterday and you know one of the ones that really stood out for me was i think he was in belgium at the time and he remembers he was he was standing on guard kind of late in the evening and he heard the the kind of hum of a, a reconnaissance plane coming overhead, and it was so low that you could see the pilot. It was a German vessel, and um, you know the pilot looked down. My granddad said you could almost see the whites of his eyes. Wow! And the pilot, the pilot waved. <sighs> he just waved at my granddad and oh. my, you know, my granddad's, uh, you know, uh, colleague, fellow soldier standing next to him, and they waved back. Mm -hmm. And he said it was just one of those moments that just you know really. I think it just it talks to the kind of folly of war, really. You know, yeah. the idea that you've got these powerful people sending soldiers off to war and actually these soldiers would probably rather doing what we're doing now sitting yeah that's it, that's it. just humans you know wanting yeah. that connection and that and what what dram would you share with that in that special moment if you could with your grandfather well he my my, my, my grandfather famously had a whiskey at least one whiskey but it was normally a, a good measure every night and he must have done that for about 60 years sweet move um, secret to long age absolutely yeah and sometimes <laughs> in the winter it'd be a hot toddy in the summer he'd maybe take it long over ice but he was a blend drinker and he was mm -hmm. his favorite blend was famous grouse mm. so i'd probably let him decide it might be one of the older you yeah. know i'm thinking famous grouse probably back in the 1970s or 1980s you know when 
when blends were really, really good. But I think I would, the, the, the drama would take him to actually mention Bigger Perth. I think he'd be really proud to see what I've achieved in the industry. And yeah. I think he'd be proud to sit there and drink a blended whiskey, you know, that his grandson yeah. had, had, had brought back to, you know, to life. 125 years after it was oh, first wow. established. So, yeah, I think it'd be my my granddad, my granddad Wallace, um, and a dram of Brigade Perth. I think would be the would be the dream. Lovely. That's very sweet. Yeah, good choice. Thank you, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us. We've really enjoyed, um, you know, le- you. yeah, learning more about single green and and your story. Yeah, thank you thank very you. much, and good luck with the podcast. <laughs> thank Have you. It's great. Dram on fire. So today we have two very different whiskies to sample as a part of our Dram on fire section. So as we just talk about the Inver Gordon release with Keith, so let's start with that one. Yeah, let's start with that one. So on the nose for for that whiskey and what what do you think about the aroma? Well, I thought it was it's very sweet and it made me think of kind of whipped cream and marshmallows. I love yeah. whipped cream, so it's, you know, very pleasant. <laughs> I could just spoon it in. <laughs> Fantastic. I would agree. Very sweet on the nose. I've written glassy cherries, maybe even a bit of kind of Turkish delight, but I can completely get the marshmallows. But I didn't oh, write that because yeah. I feel I always write marshmallows because I, yeah. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the cherry one was a good shout, actually. Yeah. Now that you said it, I'm sniffing here at you do get that kind of cherry yeah Mm, lovely yeah really nice on the nose Mm. yeah you could definitely be sniffing this very long the the color is quite light kind of maybe i wrote down like a light honey color yeah i agree i've got like a light straw yeah yeah and actually yeah this one is 48.6 percent abv and 24 years old Ah, I thought it was 48.6%, but your handwriting on my label was a bit dodgy, Inca. <laughs> I thought, how many she had before she's written this label? <laughs> Maybe it just got smudged during the yeah. delivery. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. So um, on the palette... How was it for you? I, I still, um, I just want to tell our listeners, I still got hay fever and my hay fever normally lasts for like two or three months, which is really annoying. <laughs> so my tasting notes aren't as good. So we're trusting <laughs> a little bit more on Jennifer and these oh, ones. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I've got a kind of, so I've put down a silky mouthfeel. I felt it was quite, quite silky. Palette for me, I got, I got quite a, a a spice so I've written down black pepper black peppery yeah little kick mm-hmm. tip and I was like again I feel I say this often but I was quite shocked because to the nose I found so many sweet notes but on the palate not so much at all and I got quite a woody taste yeah that's the thing I wrote woody as well on both on the palate and the finish as well yes yeah so this is obviously this has been an American oak cask so and that's such a long time, so it's no wonder you get that woodiness from there. And um, did, did you get some sweet notes on the on the palate and car a bit more than that? No, not so much, right? So I, I wrote down nutmeg and, you know, that is a little bit dry or drier than you expect. When you're nosing it, you're, you're really thinking that it would be quite sweet and like soft and, you know, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. was much drier. And the finish was surprisingly short. 
Yeah, I've written a kind of um, kind of short to medium finish there, and again from from before the nose and the the intensity on the palate, I thought the finish might be a bit longer. Yeah, but the, the more I'm sipping, the easier it's going down. <laughs> yeah. So would you would you agree with um, what you said earlier in the show that maybe it's a good one, a great introduction for the for the whiskey category for new pe- newbies? Yeah, I think it. I think it is for people with more of a sweet tooth that are used to bourbons. I think it might be, you know, a, a little bit on the. I wouldn't say it's strong savory, but on the palate, it's not so sweet. But yeah, I would. I would uh, agree with that. That it would be a good introduction. Mm, yeah. Definitely on the nosing side. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, and the next one we have is slightly different. We Smoky. We which... Smoky, yes. That's yes. a cute name. <laughs> it's a cute name. And they have like a funky blue bottle, don't they? Yeah, the the bottle is a really nice deep blue co- colour. It's a kind of little chubby, super cute bottle, quite stocky. And I had a nosy on their website and I'm quite a fan of the branding. It's like bright pink with the blue. So yeah, it's quite funky branding. <clears throat> so yeah, this one is a funny one because it's a single grain, but it's smoky. Yeah, so with this one, they say it's, um, they don't tell you what distillery it's from. It says designed in Edinburgh, which kind of makes me a bit curious. And finished in peated casks. Mm. And it's bottled at 40% ABV and they they kind of encourage it to be used in, you know, to use in your cocktails, to yeah. use in a mixed in a mixed way. Although I tasted it today, um, you know, with without that, just as it is. What about you? Yeah. Did you try it in the same way? Yeah. So the color, first of all, is pretty almost clear. It's non-existent. Exactly. I wrote like, clear. It's the clearest whiskey I've ever seen in Manelli Puff. Yeah, and yeah. the aroma is not very pleasant I lo- wrote down mm-hmm. sulfur and ashtray you know like ashtray when there's you ch- someone just dumped their cigarette in it and you still have that kind of oh well that's interesting I haven't written that in the nose but I'll come to I'll come to my cigarette tasting soon on the nose I got quite a like a kind of sweet smoke initially but that kind of went and then I got for me it was quite floral quite perfumed and almost like rose-like but quite overpowering and not the most pleasant no and it's kind of just with the astra even I don't know you know when this when someone has an astra on their balcony with a jar of water in it and then you dump the cigarette in it and it's just that kind of the smell of that <laughs> like it's not even ash or anything. It's just that cigarette water smell. Oh, just I'm oh, sorry. That's it's making just... me think of like cleaning a cleaning a pub after the night before. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what I used to do that when I was at school. Um, actually, before I went to university, I was cleaning bars, and that was when you could still smoke. And I would go there like seven in the morning when people only just left at five and there's like a smoke cloud and it's nasty nasty going on that's what it was making me think of there when you were saying about on the balcony oh so neither of us were overly impressed on the nose it's fair to say no and on the palate on the palate i've got bitter and i've written gasoline (laughs) (laughs) oh it gets better 
sorry. <laughs> Mine wasn't quite as that bad. Um, I just wrote herbs and grassy. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I found it a bit of an assault on the palate. <laughs> Sorry, wee smoky, your bottle's super cute and I'm sure you're gorgeous in cocktails, but just sort of tasting on its own. Eh, I found it an assault. <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant. On the finish, I've like I was kind of shocked and stunned and I found the finish I've written lingering like and a drying mouthfeel sensation on the finish and then I've written cigarette ash ah yeah I, I put medium finish um but it's yeah it doesn't it kind of just stays the same from the palette to the finish there's not much extra like it's not giving me yeah I don't know it's just not there's no layers there's no like I'm not excited <laughs> by this at all um I left some of the sample to try in a cocktail but then you know, I do always try to use ingredients in cocktails as well that I like that, you know, because, you know, For even sure. if, it's, if it's something that you don't like and then you put it in a cocktail, it doesn't necessarily work. But I'm going to give it a go and try something. Yeah, like I think sour maybe or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I'm kind of curious to to see, especially with it being recommended and using cocktails to to give that a bit of a go. Yeah, but I I certainly will not be raising a glass of wee smoky on its own again. <laughs> no, but just on the cocktail side, when you said on the aroma that you got, it was quite floral for you as well. Yeah. So I think I will mix it with you know in a sour with something floral like elderflower or ah. something and see how that would work. So maybe, you know, we can transform it. So I'll report back. Absolutely. And it would be nice to hear of others' experiences of single grain whiskies, whether it's the ones we've been chatting about today or others. Yeah. Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. Whiskey can withstand very cold temperatures. To bolster team spirit on his Antarctic expedition in 1907, Sir Ernest Shackleton personally ordered 25 cases of McKinley's rare old Highland malt whiskey. On yourself, Sir Ernest, quite right. <laughs> this was just taking me back to, you know, because they're going somewhere cold and then the guy who, with the Titanic... <laughs> <laughs> drinking whiskey it's like it's clearly some sort of survival thing drink yeah. whiskey and survive the cold yeah do you think the guy that does all the um the stuff like in the ice Wim Hof you heard of him no oh he's so cool like I do the Wim Hof breathing and the cold showers and stuff but he's this um like kind of extreme athlete that can endure super cold temperatures and he does like this breathing techniques and it's um it's quite popular with athletes and stuff but anyway I digress but yeah I'm just wondering if he actually cunningly sits and has a lot of whiskey and that's why he's got these yeah. these superpowers to to bear the, <laughs> the biting temperatures but this um in 2007, a century after the expedition, three cases of perfectly preserved whiskey were discovered frozen into the ice beneath Shackleton's base camp at Cape Roy. The bottles were still intact, however, the liquid could be heard sloshing around in them when they were agitated. So the alcohol uh, content of the whiskey was high enough to survive the minus 30 Celsius temperatures of the Antarctic without freezing. Isn't whiskey just like quite magical? I know. Superpowers. 
So, so impressive. <laughs> yeah, totally. The whiskey was excavated and flown to New Zealand where it was carefully thawed by the New Zealand Antarctic Heritage Trust in a purpose-built environment and public gallery at Canterbury Museum. I bet that was dead exciting for them. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm surprised they left some though. Yeah. Maybe they got in trouble and they just have to. Maybe their fingers were getting frostbitten and they couldn't <laughs> get into the, into the bottles. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's actually now a blended malt scotch whiskey called the Shackleton and after its discovery frozen in the ice or not the whiskey obviously wasn't frozen but you know um, world renowned master blender Richard Patterson carried out an analysis analysis (laughs) (laughs) spit it out (laughs) to recreate this antique whiskey and use this as the foundation to create the the base for this, this blended malt how cool is that? That is very cool, I'm loving that You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. So in next week's episode, we will be talking about whiskey cocktails to celebrate the World Cocktail Day. And aren't we lucky that we've got you, Inca, because you're a spirits aficionado. And do you know what I'm, I was thinking earlier? It's weeks and weeks since you've mentioned your blog on the sauce <laughs> again. Oh, yeah. Give it a shout. <laughs> if you, if you want to prepare yourself for the whiskey cocktail episode go and check on the sauce again i have a whole recipe section (laughs) yeah i just thought you know let's just you know i I was getting sad i was missing all those shameless plugs (laughs) (laughs) and next week we will also feature glencadam 15 and 21 on our dram on fire section so pour yourself a dram and join us next wednesday Meanwhile, you can keep up to date with all things Whiskey Sisters on our Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at Whiskey Sisters and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. Well, Inka, it's been a pleasure and I will see you next week. See you next week, lovely. (laughs) 